Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. Thank you so much for joining us here on the program as we come your way Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. That's our special edition of Tell Me Your Story. And uh, we pot- we uh, stream live at those times at richarddugan.com. We also podcast. That's right. We have podcasts and videocasts. The podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. We're also on YouTube where you can watch these interviews. We hope that you will do so. We also ask that if you can support the work that we are doing financially, we have a PayPal account. It's there for your security as well as ours. And we also ask that you take time during this, the decade of perfect vision, to spend time in that quiet, calm, peaceful, still place, that inner space, and listen to that still, small voice. And we're going to find out just how much of that still, small voice our guest has listened to over the years in light of the work that she has is doing in regards to her latest work, Practice Energy Healing. That's Practice Energy Healing in Integrity. The joy of offering your gift legally and ethically. Her name is, of course, uh, Megan. It's actually, it's Midge, beg your pardon, Midge Murphy. And um, she's got a JD, a PhD, an LLC, uh, She uh, uh, an energy healing as well. Welcome, uh, Midge, to our program. I'm so happy to have you with us here because this is going to sort of open up a a little different perspective on um, what it's all about to to be a part of Wanting to, as I've said many times, my goal, change the world for the better for everyone, not just a select few. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me, Richard. This is uh, an interesting uh, interesting conversation we're going to have because uh, uh, there's an aspect of all of this that I find fascinating. And I'll use, uh, I'll use the RFDA and I'll compare that to the 5,000-year-old medicine of China. And there is no FDA, or was no FDA, in China, uh, overseeing and making sure that whatever practices, whatever remedies, et cetera, et cetera, were used over the last 5,000 years, uh, whether they were safe or not. My perspective is that they just knew intuitively that it worked. Uh, so we're now, we have a whole realm that's opened up. And I'll say that I, it didn't start in the 80s, but it seemed like when chiropractic medicine was uh, coming uh, of age, coming into vogue in the 80s, and the struggles to try to get insurance companies to cover chiropractic treatments and so forth. And then we move on and we have all kinds of other alternative forms of healing, of medicine, of uh, caring for oneself. And I'm kind of doing that right now with some of my issues I'll I'll talk about. Um, That's kind of where we're going with this, are we not? In terms of uh, trying to make sure that, number one, the people who are offering these various modalities are properly trained, um, but also are ethical as well as legal. Uh, That's kind of where we're coming from on this program today, right? 
Absolutely. Yes, definitely. And it might be helpful for the listeners to kind of get a sense because I'm going to focus on energy healing practitioners. Okay. And they're more involved with in terms of advertising their services with the Federal Trade Commission. They really, unless they have a product, they're not involved with the Federal uh, Drug Administration. But I think it might be helpful to kind of get a sense of where do energy healing practitioners fit within the current legal and regulatory framework that really governs all healthcare professionals in the United States. And that they fall under the umbrella of complementary and alternative medicine, or CAM, as I like to call it. And I love the definition that Michael Cohn wrote in his book, Future Medicine, he's a leading academic in this field, is, is that it's a consensus term, meaning everything out of outside of bio-Western medicine. So that includes chiropractic medicine, as well as a number of other modalities. And some of those um, modalities are licensed in all 50 states. So I'm really happy you brought up chiropractors. Yes, they had a very hard journey to become accepted and integrated into the mainstream healthcare field. And they are now licensed in all 50 states. And they're they're part of the CAM umbrella as well. Now, there are some um, practitioners who are licensed in some states and not in others. So those would be massage therapists, for example acupuncturists would be another example. Uh, Naturopathic um, physicians would be another example. And then registered dietitians or certified licensed nutritionists would be another one. Those professions are licensed in some states, but and not in others. Then we have this whole huge group of people that are completely unregulated, except for one exception, which I'll talk about in a second. And that's all the energy healing methods. And so Mm -hmm. the perception is that it's since it's completely unregulated, anyone can say I'm an energy healing practitioner and hang up a shingle and start charging people for their services. So there is no credentialing. There are no standards. It's kind of the wild, wild west. And I think the only space where there's some regulation going on right now is that some states have required those energy healing methods that use touch. So we're talking about Reiki, uh, quantum touch, healing touch, therapeutic touch. Those modalities, if you practice those in those states, you have to be a licensed massage therapist in order to practice. So we are moving, the trend is definitely moving towards government saying, we need to start to look at regulating this, this field. And this has been going on since really the Clinton administration. And so there's just been more movement towards let's bring a level of professionalism, a level of integrity, making sure that these um, practitioners have been trained properly. And that's where I fit in. This is my path of service. When I got my PhD in energy medicine and I was thinking, where am I going to, what am I going to do with this? So that was my intuition sort of coming through and saying, you know, there's a huge void here. There is no one who's addressing the legal and ethical issues in the practice of energy healing methods. And I'm kind of uniquely positioned in that I'm an energy healing practitioner myself. I was trained in therapeutic touch as a hospice volunteer. i am uh, been initiated as a Reiki master. I'm certified in matrix energetics. And then I've been a student of shamanism for many years. And I use a lot of shamanic processes in my work. But then I have this other side. I have a PhD in energy medicine. And I have this background in law and business. And so bringing these two together, like a bridge between the two worlds. And so I think it's important that, and my goal is to make sure that energy healing practitioners are aware that this book exists, that it is a great resource. It has a lot of valuable information to help them kind of learn more about what it is to have an ethical practice, because 
the thought earlier was, oh, of course I'm ethical because I want to help people. Well, mm. I honor that, but that is not, that doesn't cut it. <laughs> there is so much involved in being in a therapeutic relationship, being the practitioner and the client. So I think it's important that it finally, there's been movement now realizing that we have to sort of become better uh, educated, especially around the ethical and legal issues in order to sustain our practices and to move forward so that more people can access the services of energy healing practitioners. We're talking with Midge Murphy here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I thank you so much for being with us as we are talking with uh, Midge Murphy, the author, author of Practice Energy Healing in integrity, the joy of offering your gift legally and ethically. Uh, the website, by the way, is uh, midgemurphy.com. We hope that you will go to that website. That's M-I-D-G-E-M-U-R-P-H-Y.com. One of the things that I think is real interesting to, to, to look at here as we continue our conversation here, Midge, is the fact that there are so many different modalities and and maybe maybe there aren't really that many modalities but that people are using all kinds of different names to set themselves apart a lot of folks are going to throw the word quantum in there quantum energy healing and quantum this and quantum that but the thing that i think it can become rather confusing it's almost like a, a, an ama medical doctor specializing uh, and we've got 10 different doctors specializing in the hand. Ah, but each one of those doctors specializes specifically in a specific finger. You know, doctor one in the left hand pinky, doctor two ring finger pinky, left hand ring pinky, and so forth and so on. And so maybe one of the issues that we should talk about here is learning to understand what the practitioner, we'll use that term practitioner in this case, what they're really offering and how do we how we decipher what they're offering through their title, like energy healer. That's really very problematic because you never want to use the term healer. And there's two reasons for that. One is from an ethical standpoint, and this is part of my personal code of ethics. I am not a healer. The only true healer in the room is the client. And you take that projection and you disempower the client. So from an ethical standpoint, I call myself an energy healing practitioner. I never use the word healer to describe, <clears throat> excuse me, who I am. The other issue is if you call yourself a healer, you will be charged, you could be charged with practicing medicine without a license. So one of the things you have to understand is that as the medicine practice acts have been implemented in all 50 states, and now they're over 100 years old, the bottom line is that just about any kind of healing work that you do is considered the practice of medicine. And this is supported by what's happened with the courts interpreting certain, uh, you know, court situations, or criminal prosecutions. So it's important to know that you don't even want to use the term healer as a title. <clears throat> and I think some of the things that are happening out there is that what I would suggest to the consumer who's interested in maybe engaging the services of an energy healing practitioner is to really do your due diligence and ask them some questions. What is the theoretical mm -hmm. basis of your modality? 
they should be able to explain to you very simply in a couple sentence, what is the theoretical basis of the particular modality they're offering, whether it's Reiki or healing touch or quantum touch or EFT tapping, they should be able to answer that question. Mm -hmm. The other question you want to know have is whether or not, how long you've been practicing? What was your training? Are you certified? And then there are so many different certification programs. Some are quite legitimate and very professional. Most of them are not. Mm. Most of them are like, you go to a weekend workshop. Oh, I'm certified. Well, that doesn't cut it either. That's considered completely unethical. And you're not trained in an energy healing modality by just going to a weekend workshop. So I would say, you know, if you're interested and you feel a good rapport with that practitioner, you get all the information about their training, I would look up their school or their certification organization Mm -hmm. and really take a look at the program and make sure it's robust, that they've been practicing, they've been mentored, they've been supervised, and that they've spent some time being trained to use this modality in a professional setting. So from a consumer standpoint, I think that's really important because again, there's this myth out there that, oh, these energy healing practices are just, they're non-invasive and they're safe. Well, that's just not true. I've heard a number of really horror stories about people being hurt by not necessarily intentionally, but just not knowing any better by practitioners who just don't know the ethical issues, how to have a client-centered practice, and then people get harmed. So I think it's from the consumer perspective, you should do your due diligence and make sure you're you're engaging the services of someone who's a legitimate, well-trained, highly ethical practitioner. And that's where my book comes into play because there's an exam based on the book. And so wow. it, it's an opportunity for practitioners to not only read the book, but pass the exam. It's an open book, self-paced exam online, very easy to do, because then you you earn a certificate of completion. That is a professional credential. You have that in your hand. You can show that to your potential clients or maybe into a potential employer that may want to bring you into a clinic. They're not going to hire you. And most people would not want to hire you either for your services if you have not had this training. It's really essential in order Mm. to be a professional. Well, I, 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 I have a real problem here because I'm not talking about a practitioner anymore. A lot of people turn to the internet for answers and there's no responsibility whatsoever. Uh, when you're searching the internet, let's say I'm doing Google, uh, I'm going to give you an example. Uh, as we speak, I just got the test results back from my blood work. My A1C is at 12.1. My average uh, blood sugar per day uh, through the last three months was 300. Now, my A1C is now higher than it was when I was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, which obviously I now have again. And I got rid of it in a month and a half. I was diagnosed three years ago. All right. I was back to normal A1C and uh, blood sugar levels in a month and a half. And then since last March of 2023, I don't know why but it's, it's gone up. So I start doing research online. All right. And I'm going, okay, what foods, what are, what are some of the best foods in diet and so forth for diabetic, a type two diabetic? Every time I search, I will get bananas and peanut butter and this and that. And the other are very good. Those are excellent uh, sources of protein and da, 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 that should help the blood sugar to stabilize and so forth. I go search again another time. Peanut butter and banana and this and that and the other thing are horrible. You need to stay away from those things. 
and it's almost as bad as what what we used to hear in the news probably 20 25 30 years ago and we still hear it from time to time one day coffee is what is like the superfood the next day coffee will kill you one day this food is a superfood the next day it'll kill you and it's like who do we trust and if i don't know how to parse or vet a practitioner not a healer as and i'm going to go with your your definition there a practitioner um i i just I, i'm i'm at a loss right now because this is just i you know you think that i, I should but people keep telling me my god richard i mean they're trying to put the fear of god in me in terms of you need to do this and you know you're in the, you're in the danger zone you could pass out you could have a stroke you could do this and that and the other thing and blah 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 and i was like shut up you're not helping me <laughs> help me to understand how we parse through this information that we get whether it's from a practitioner or for that matter even online uh in terms of of our own personal health because again we're all individuals Really, I don't know, Richard. That's not my area of expertise. Okay. It's not my area of expertise. I mean, in terms of what I was trying to share with your audience is that with respect to wanting to engage a practitioner that offers energy healing methods, there are mm -hmm. some really smart things you can do, some due diligence before you engage their services, their, their background, and mm -hmm. you know how many years have they been in practice? Maybe you get a referral um, from another friend or client. Uh, there's lots of ways that you can kind of vet a potential practitioner that you may want to work with. And I would stay away from those that have very little training, who maybe just hung up their shingle. They don't have a certificate of completion in ethics and legal issues in the practice of energy healing methods. And, and again, do they have a client informed consent that is um, logical and legally sound? There's lots of different things you can look at. So that you're getting a sense of their level of integrity, their level of professionalism. And those are the things that you want to look at if you're a consumer. Mm -hmm. Of course, a lot of people don't even do that with their traditional orthodox medicine in terms of practitioners, doctors, and so forth. Uh, they don't do any research. They don't do any uh, uh, um, digging into the, the credentials of their physician. Well, they really don't need to for the yeah. most part. I mean, they're licensed. And so maybe you need to see an orthopedic surgeon. So you check out that particular practice and you might, there's the bios of the doctors and maybe the one that kind of resonates more with you just from an intuitive level, but they've, they've been trained and they're licensed and they're professionals. And so you don't have to go into their background mm -hmm. to know whether or not you need to, to become their patient yeah. because they're licensed. And you that's know, I, the critical component. Yeah. And it seems to me that that within the context of these uh, alternative health practitioners, as I have observed over the last 20, 30 years or more, um, this area that we're talking about here with you today is is a relatively new field because this is what I would hear. This is what I would hear that these these practitioners um on a spiritual level, on a metaphysical level, the universe will take care of them. Don't worry about it. Yeah, but what about me? What happens if they uh, if they bring harm to me? What am I supposed to do? You know, well, that's the lesson you're here to. You're supposed to. Those are lessons learned. These are life lessons that you've got here, and it just completely negates the whole legal and ethical conversation that we're having here. 
So how how I I'm not sure how to phrase this other than to ask it. How old is this area that you are involved in in terms of uh, the legal and ethical aspects of these alternative practitioners? Well, there's there's such a wide variety, and some of them are based on extremely ancient traditions and concepts, like medical qigong. Uh, Reiki came from Japan. It's, you know, any kind of hands-on energy healing has been around for thousands of years, but now we're bringing it more into the mainstream. And I think because people are wanting to look at their health and well-being, not just from the perspective of Western medicine, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, take a pill. and, And sometimes we need that surgery and I'm not negating it at all, but these other modalities, they look at the the whole of the person. So they look at the subtle energies of the, of the body in the person. And so we're not, if I'm doing a Reiki session or a therapeutic touch session with someone, I'm not working with the physical body at all. I'm working with the biofield or the chakra system or the meridians or the radiant circuits. There's different kinds of, of biofield and energy, subtle energies that you can work with. And it's to balance the body to make sure that the energy is flowing in a proper way, there's no blockages, there's no imbalance. And once you can put the subtle energies of the body back in balance, the body will heal itself. It's, it's the body seeks homeostasis. And so that's kind of the basis of a lot of the energy healing methods is that it's a way to help the body come into balance. And when the body's in balance and the energies are flowing the way they need to flow, then the body naturally works towards healing itself. So I think that's a distinction. And I think with respect to the um, the field itself, it's becoming, because it's being offered now as a profession that, and people are interested in saying, you know, I, I want to look at this from a holistic perspective, mind, body, and spirit, not just my physical body, because that's where real health is. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the, and the government's really kind of on board with this too, in terms of they're talking about integrative health and integrative medicine, that kinds of things. So there is a recognition that's happening in the healthcare field itself around, we need to work and help people be with health and wellness from a more holistic perspective, not just from the physical body. So I think this is where, you know, that's why there's been a lot of interest in the energy healing modalities that are out there, but many of them are very ancient. They've just kind of been repackaged into a more modern, you know, delivery system. Mm. That makes uh, my, sense. Yes, it does. My present wife and I are both Reiki masters. Uh, it's been a long time since um, that training. However, uh, I use it on a semi-regular basis, more for situations in my life than than anything else. Um, but I do try to send it like when my wife is challenged, struggling with her asthma or whatever the case might be, I will, I will send her, uh, long distance and absentee healing from where I'm at and so forth. Uh, and she's, and she is aware of that energy when I'm sending it. And, and, you know, cause if somebody's doing sending it to me, uh, it's either a, it's not working uh, because I'm not aware of it because I, <laughs> I need all the help I can get right now. But I find this, this whole, this whole area of ethics and so forth um, rather intriguing because when I was going through that training or any other training I've ever been through, which there was no certificate. It was just kind of a thing that we, we did with a group of people and it was fun and, and so forth. Um, 
there was always that discussion of the ethics of using these subtle energies and maybe not so subtle energies. And um, as one, uh, as one, I'll call him a medicine man uh, within the uh, uh, unofficially within the Chumash Indian tribe here in Santa Barbara County. He told me that any time that you want to achieve something, yeah, absolutely. But you have to remember that there's always a price to pay. Now, he didn't necessarily mean that in a negative way, but Einstein said it best. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Are you prepared for that? And it's not that it's it's not that by providing this, facilitating this individual's healing. And again, I say facilitating. You're not the healer. I'm not the healer. Um you know, you have to be willing to to uh, say, I'm I take responsibility for what I'm doing and my participation in this person's life and it's his his or her well-being and spiritual life. Um, so that was something that was discussed uh, and, and in terms of reminding us, look, sure, you can send this stuff out willy nilly. But just remember, if you do, it'll come back willy nilly, so to speak. Intent. Uh, seems to be uh, the key word there. Uh, do you feel that when you're talking about the ethics in energy healing, that that's a, a very important aspect of it, that a lot of people, they don't think about the intent, and that's why they get themselves into trouble, both legally and ethically? Well, I don't know if it's about intent. I mean, I think we have to step back here. And if you're you have a professional practice, whether or even if you don't, if you do not get permission from the person that you want to do any kind of energy healing work with that is sorcery oh. and because you do not have permission from that person to enter their biofield and do anything and so that is highly unethical so and as a professional you never do that but as a professional you, you don't, the intention you set as a professional energy healing practitioner is to be a compassionate non-judgmental presence you have you are absolutely not attached to any outcome because if you are attached that it won't work it just won't work because you've already collapsed the the thought field the, the energy is collapsed because you already have the thought it has this is what we have to have as the outcome of this mm -hmm. session so the intent is to be really an, a very compassionate non-judgmental presence so that you're a very clear channel for what, whatever technique you're using, whether it's Reiki, therapeutic touch, or whatever. And as soon as you start to not be able to be a clear channel, that's when the energy gets mixed up. It, you know, violations of boundaries can happen and different kinds of issues can arise. So in terms of intention, the intention is, again, to be completely compassionate, non-judgmental, not attached to outcome, making sure you're a very clear channel. So you have to know what your stuff is. Mm -hmm. If you haven't done your own your own healing work, then that's can also can mess up the sort of the matrix of what's happening in an energy healing session. So again, wow. it, it it takes some judgment, it takes some some work, some wisdom to really be a, a really high quality energy healing practitioner because you need to make sure that you're not projecting any of your stuff onto the client. Also, how to hold really exquisite boundaries so that they're not throwing 
their stuff onto you energetically as well. So that can happen a lot. And I learned a lot about that when I first was practicing. It certainly happened to me where I wasn't keeping good boundaries and some of their projections ended up in my, in my field. And so I learned how to not do that and how to keep really clear channels so that, and that's how you're in, in service to them as well. And also mm. how you make sure that you you keep your system protected so that you can do, be the most effective as you can be in being a facilitator of whatever's going to be happening in that session. Would you say, too, that um, if one does not keep up, shall we say, the education, educational process? I mean, it's been 20, 21, 22 years since my Master Reiki training. And I still, you know, utilize it, you know, uh, from time to time, but I haven't had any follow-ups. What is your thought in that regard, especially when it comes to the legal and ethical issues uh, of, of an individual? Well, I really want, I really want to address people who have a professional practice, not mm -hmm. someone who's, you know, taken a weekend workshop and kind of wants to play around with it. That's okay. fine. But we're really talking about if you're, if you are a professional and you want to have an energy healing practice that's legally sound and ethical, then you really should be certified in the methods that you'd want to use. And the certification is, is a professional credential. And if you're with a legitimate and uh, highly integrity certification program or training school, then you will most likely you get certified for a certain number of years and you can renew. And then the organization continues to add continuing education courses, refreshers on ethics and legal issues. So if you're professionally trained and you've gone through a high quality certification program, then you're constantly growing your skills, learning new things. There, there's, there's lots of change and movement in the field. And so something new may come along and they'll get all of their pra certified practitioners and do a webinar. They may say, we're going to change this protocol slightly. So there's in a legitimate certification or training school, you will have the opportunity to continue to hone your skills, grow your skills, and to become even a better practitioner as, as you practice in the years to come. We are talking here on the program today with Midge Murphy, and we're talking about her latest work that she is talking to us about practice energy healing in integrity, the joy of offering your gift legally and ethically here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, we haven't really gotten into legal and ethical issues when it comes to uh, the more esoteric aspects of our society and our civilization, or shall we say alternative forms of uh, health, wellness, medicine, uh, you know, these are the kinds of things that we need to start taking a look at because it is becoming so much more mainstream, if I am correct, Midge, Midge Murphy, our guest here on the program, uh, that this field is is actually probably growing because unfortunately there are a lot of people out there who just don't give a rip. They're going to do whatever they want, uh, whether they declare I have the First Amendment constitutional rights to or they just don't care about anything. And they say, I'm, I'm a lone wolf. I'm a free spirit and I'm going to just do whatever I want and I'm going to put it out there. And they don't think about the consequences down the road, not not just spiritually, not just esoterically, but in the material world, legally. Uh, legally as well as ethically. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the biggest risk that non-licensed practitioners face of any kind of energy healing modality is being charged with practicing medicine or psychotherapy without a license. 
I mentioned earlier that medical practice acts have been very broadly construed over the last 150 years so that any kind of healing work is considered the practice of medicine. So most of the energy healing practitioners out there are unaware that they could be charged with practicing medicine or psychotherapy or some other licensed profession without a license. It's a crime to do so. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to throw you in jail. That's There's kind of a rumor out there. You're going to get thrown in jail if you do energy healing work. Um, but you will get a cease and desist letter from a licensing board saying you are practicing medicine without a license. You need to stop. Sometimes there's a fine involved. But the bottom line is your practice is shut, is shut down and you're done. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so my book and what my training is all about is how do you put yourself out there without the risk of a big, huge red flag being over your head. And so a lot of it's, what kind of words do you use on your website? Do you say you do treatments? If you're not licensed, don't ever use that word because the perception is if you are offering treatments, you're offering some kind of licensed healthcare services. Mm. You only offer sessions. The other words you don't want to use is you you don't have patients. You only have clients. Mm -hmm. And you have to stay away from medical terms on your website and or psychotherapy terms or psychological terms on your website. So if you're an unlicensed energy healing practitioner that says, I work with people with anxiety, you can be charged with practicing psychotherapy without a license because anxiety is a DSM-5 mental health disorder. You can say worry or stress. There's There's the nuances of the words are very, very important. So the risk that you face is that you know, you could be charged with a crime. The other issue is how you are marketing your services to the public. And this is where the Federal Trade Commission Commission comes in because they're the regulatory agency that really governs how you advertise your services to the public. And almost all of the energy healing practitioners' websites that I've seen, 95% of them are in violation of Federal Trade Commission rules and regulations on how they use uh, their testimonials, client testimonials. Some people think, well, I can say whatever I want. My client said this, it's a testimonial, and therefore I can put it on my website. No, that's not true. Because once a testimonial gets on your website, it is a form of advertising. And therefore it's subject to the regulations regarding advertising your services. So you can't just say whatever you want. And the FTC is looking at websites that do these kinds of what they would call misleading claims uh, way out there. So, oh, you can get cured of this and this and X amount, especially dealing with chronic conditions. Mm. So I think it's really important. This is what the book is all about, is to really educate practitioners about the fact that there are legal risks in offering your services to the public. And there on the other flip side is there are a lot of licensed healthcare professionals who are wanting to incorporate energy healing methods into their practices because they find they have better outcomes, either through psychotherapy or through medicine or some other licensed profession. So those folks have to be very careful because any of these energy healing methods that they want to use would not be considered part of their scope of practice as legally defined in their practice act in each state. So they are subject to the claim of practicing below the standards of care or outside their legally defined scope of practice. And it can subject them to professional discipline where they can lose their license. And that just happened. I talked to a physical therapist who lost his license because he was doing some energy work on a patient. She wasn't happy about that. She filed a complaint against the board. And because he was not practicing this, uh, 
physical therapy as defined by the law in his state, he lost his license. Mm. So there's a lot at stake here. And it's important to start to educate yourself if you have a real practice, whether you're licensed or non-licensed. And that's what the book is all about. It's about providing practitioners with really pertinent, important information so that they can grow their practices and, and learn what the, the legal issues are, what the ethical issues are, so that they can start to think about how to, first of all, move through with empowerment in offering their services to the public without the threat of either being shut down or losing their license. Hmm. You know, uh, and it, it, what is interesting, again, this is still a relatively new area for a lot of people to think about. I mean, you've been in it for a while and, and um, I'm curious as to why you are in this particular field uh, in regards, not, not in regards to your, your uh, uh, energy healing practice, if if I have that terminology correct, because again we're <laughs> you've got to use <laughs> yep. the right words here, folks. Yep. Um, but in terms of this whole aspect of the legal and ethical ramifications of having a quote unquote practice in alternative medicine, uh, how did you get involved in this? Uh, why do you care? <laughs> well, I think it's really my soul's calling, to be honest with you, um, as part of it. And it's been a long journey. I practice entertainment law in Los Angeles for over a decade, and through that process, it was really fun. I learned a lot and I made the pinnacle of what I wanted to do, which was become a respected entertainment attorney in Los Angeles. And yet when I achieved all my goals, then from a professional standpoint as a lawyer, there was still this little empty space inside of me and I was curious. Hmm. And so I started to look around and that's when I started to be more interested in the spiritual aspects. And a friend that I worked with at ABC, ABC Motion Pictures back then, um, introduced me to the book, An Autobiography of a Yogi, by about Paramahansa Yogananda. My metaphysical and, primer. Uh, yeah, mine too. Yeah, absolutely. And so that kind of opened me up and I was curious. And, and then I, um, I started another business. I left LA and I had an adventure travel company. And we led uh, treks all over the world, high altitude mountaineering mostly. So I had exposure to the Tibetan culture, um, all the sort of indigenous cultures in the mountains, regions of the world. And so I got to see and sort of really experience a lot of different cultures and different ways of looking at spirituality and health and wellness and happiness and all these kinds of things. And then when I moved to Eugene, Oregon, I became a hospice volunteer. And it was in that experience that I was introduced to therapeutic touch. And it was kind of an eye opener for me because I thought, well, this is kind of weird. You know, I'm going to put my hands around people's bodies, but I could feel the energy. I could see it and all of that. And so that's when I started getting more interested in the aspects of, of how, what it is to be a human being. And so that led me to get other trainings, to get my PhD, and then see that there is this void where this, these important issues are not being addressed, people are not being educated about them. And here's where I can step in because I'm a bridge between both worlds. We're going to forge ahead here talking about um, some of the facilities, some of the schools, if you will, the, the, the places where you learn, you get the certification and so forth. Do you uh, work with those organizations and institutions, shall we say, uh, to make sure that or to help them to create a curriculum that incorporates these aspects so their their students, future practitioners, 
uh, start out on the right foot without getting into trouble, without being shut down and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. I do work with a number of organizations and I'd like to work with a lot more. Um, I have a revenue sharing program that I offer training schools and certification programs. And that is the core curriculum is for ethics and legal training and risk management is my book and exam. It's there, it's done, it's available. And so they require their students going through the certification process to read my book and take the exam. I grade the exam, I administer the certificate of completion. The students, the school doesn't have to do anything except I notify them, yes, Sally has passed her ethics legal training. And so what also happens is that then the school or the training organization earns an affiliate commission on every exam one of their students purchases for purposes of of making going through the certification program. So it's a revenue generating opportunity for the school. It also relieves the school of trying to figure out how are we going to train people in ethics and legal issues? We don't have the background or training to do that. We're clueless. And also it gives the student, as you say, what I would love, they're starting their practices on the right foot. They've had this background in training. They realize the importance of it. And I think a lot of training organizations don't realize that they can be held legally liable for the actions of the students that they train. It's the doctrine of vicarious liability. So by having their students properly trained in ethics and legal issues, hopefully they go out into the field, start to have their professional practices. They don't get themselves into trouble. So which that reflects back on the training organization. So that's such a win-win for everyone. And that is one of my major goals is not only get all the practitioners I can to read the book and take the exam, but to get these training organizations out there. And I have worked with a number of them over the years and it works beautifully. It's very easy to administer so that that piece of the curriculum that's absolutely essential is taken care of for them. Hmm. And that to me seems, seems very important. Uh, let's get started off on the right foot here. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're going to do this this kind of energy work, whether it's Reiki or uh, any other modality that's out there, and again, I know you deal you're you're focusing primarily on energy healing and so forth. Uh, why 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 not broaden it? Is is there something about energy healing that seems to be uh, more uh, problematic than some of the other alternative forms of health and wellness? Well, it's not a problematic. I think it's unique and that you're dealing with the human energy system. And so we're really building on what's been developed in the medical profession, massage field, psychotherapy, in terms of what they've learned about having a therapy, being in a therapeutic relationship, you know, what does it mean to be client centered, power differential, making sure issues of countertransference and transference are handled. So we're building on those blocks that have already been established in these these different fields. But when you're working with the human energy system, clients can be extremely vulnerable to suggestion. And that you have to really know exquisitely how to work with the energy system. And you have to understand there are some people who are not good candidates for energy work. And so Mm. I talk about my book, Who's, who's someone that you want, who's really prepared and ready to do energy work and who are people that it's not a good idea for them. So we're talking about people who cannot self-regulate, who tend to be really flighty, who are extremely needy. They think you're, you're going to cure them or fix them. So, and as you grow your practice and you start to work with people, you learn to understand that not everyone who walks through your door is the right person for you to work with. Well, and it's that's rec- really important. It's important it, consideration. 
Indeed. It's recognized as the gold standard for practitioners of energy healing methods. Practice energy healing and integrity, the joy of offering your gift legally and ethically. We're talking with um, with uh, Medj Murray Murphy. My apologies. I, I Maybe it's my blood sugar is getting in the way here, uh, but I don't want to use that as an excuse. I, it is what it is, and I am who I am, and you are listening to Tell Me Your Story. And we're talking with uh, Medj Murphy, and Medj Murphy is uh, our guest, MedjMurphy.com is the website and we will be linked to that website as well this to me is a very fascinating conversation that we're having here um when and i want to dive into the your area not so much of expertise in terms of the issues uh, of uh, the legal and ethical issues and so forth but your own practice and how you started how you were introduced to how you became involved and decided to get the training and i'm going to guess that it was the proper training uh with certification uh in energy healing when did that start for you what was the catalyst well, I don't have a certificate. I have a PhD in energy medicine. So if we talk about the academic credential that I have, um, that was when I was introduced to Norm Sheely and Carolyn Mace, and they were teaching uh, courses on the use of intuition. And and she was a medical intuitive at the time working with Norm. And Norm is very well known. He's the, he, he I think he established the the holistic medical profession, and uh, he's been around. He was the head of my dissertation committee when I went through the P my PhD program. So that's one aspect of my training. Um, and then the other is, um, you know, as I mentioned, I learned therapeutic touch as a hospice volunteer. I'm not certified. I don't have certification per se in therapeutic touch. Um, and then I got became very interested in matrix energetics. I don't think it's really active right now. Um, but I got certified in that program. And then in terms of the sh shamanic work that I've done, I've trained with a number of, of medicine people. Uh, I've had three major trainers. And so I've spent years training with them. Um, and that's sort of where I get my background and training in terms of using shamanic processes if I'm doing energy healing work. But I'm really not focused right now in my life on doing energy healing per se. Um, I'm really focusing on my book and the exam and to uh, be of service to the field as we move, move forward and as states begin to start to make rumblings about licensing energy healing practitioners. And there's a bill right now in Massachusetts that would require energy healing practitioners to be licensed. And so it's important to get some information out there and to help bring the whole field uh, forward so that people have the opportunity to practice if they're, they're trained and they have these gifts that they can offer to the public for, for overall health and well-being. My first wife uh, went to Phoenix Massage College. Uh, she got her massage therapist license that has to be renewed every year. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, sadly, I was not the beneficiary of too many of those massages, but <laughs> that's that's OK. That's all right. Um, I'm glad that she had found at that time uh, that which uh, served her. Did you find when you were into the whole aspect of, of being a facilitator, being a practitioner, did that did that bring you? Uh, I'm, let me rephrase the question. What did that bring to you? How did that serve you in serving those who came to you, your clients? I don't really look at it as serving me at all. Okay. I'm I'm being in service to 
someone who's come to me and we've decided to mutually work together. So it doesn't, sur- I don't really, that's not the framework that I operate from. Okay. It's really about being in service mm-hmm. and, and okay. to be in service to the clients. And so, and again, so that's how I feel about, you know, these schools that I'm working with and others that I'd like to connect with and practitioners out there that are offering these services to the public is that is to be in service. And that's to me, my spiritual calling. That's the bottom line is being in a, a being of service. That's that's really where most uh, most all of my guests come from. Maybe all of them would would say the same thing, and I certainly say that of myself. Not as a practitioner, okay? I am not. Uh, I may have my Reiki mastery uh, master's certificate hanging on the wall somewhere, uh, but it's not something that I advertise or 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 use uh, in a in a uh, um, consistent continuous way. It's hit and miss. It's Oh, I'm aware of this situation or my wife is going through this situation and okay, uh, I'm off my, on my way to work, but I'll be sending you Reiki throughout the day, you know, making that, that commitment in that regard. Um, I don't send it to myself very often. And I know that I can, I know that, <laughs> I know that I can, and maybe under my current circumstances, wouldn't be a bad idea if I started doing that a little bit because I, I got to tell you, it's it's one of those frustrations. And I know that a lot of people have these frustrations. It's like, what is going on in my life? And so now I've got to look into the metaphysical meaning mm-hmm. behind all of this. I mean, this is uh, it's really too. It's funny, too, because I was diagnosed maybe 10 years ago with high blood pressure. My blood pressure without meds is back to normal explain that one and yet i'm all over this whole high blood sugar thing you'd think my blood pressure would be up but it's 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 staying uh, staying in the normal range and i'm very happy about that but i know that there are many of us we aren't practitioners but we still want to be of service and to me what that means is no i don't become a practitioner I find those people who can serve this person in the best way. I don't step in. I'm not, I don't have the time. I don't have the inclination either. It's not my purpose in life in, in service in that way. Uh, And for you, it was for a period of time, but now you're serving in a whole different capacity. And I want to ask you about some of the clients. We've already talked about the institutions. Um, when someone comes to you with an issue with an energy healer or energy healing practitioner, um, where do you begin with that? And how do you know, how can you, uh, um, be certain, or do you just believe the person when they tell you this is what happened and I'm feeling this and so on and so forth? Uh, or do you have to do some a certain level of investigation, or is that where your intuition comes into play a little bit in the process of serving this particular person to, I, I don't know what the right phrase here is, not to get justice per se, but to try to write the tables, if you will. You know, do well, you, that's you got, being attached to an outcome, and I never do that. Okay. All I right. never good, do that. Good point. Yeah. Good point. And so, you know, a client may come to me with a 
animal issue or it's their own personal human issue. Mm -hmm. And we talk, we, we share some information. Um, I make it very clear that I'm not going to be doing any kind of treatment or I'm not diagnosing or anything. I'm going to connect with their energy system and see what information I might find. And how I work personally is we have a conversation. I decide and we mutually decide if, you know, what I offer may be of help to them, make it clear I don't provide any kind of guarantee. And then, um, and then I, we, we end our conversation. And then at some point in the, in the near future, then I create a sacred space and I do the energy healing uh, session. Um, and I never know what tools or who's going to show up because every session is very unique. And then I reconnect with the client. Usually it's on the phone. I do mostly distance work uh, when I was doing it. And then I share with them what it is that transpired in the session. And I say some of this may make sense to you. Some of it may not. Just take what may, may be of resonance to you or may be helpful. And then they may have some questions. And it's very simple and straightforward. But I don't, there's, there's no outcome. It's just about sharing information mm-hmm. that I, that comes through me through maybe some of their power animals, or it could be from their own spiritual guides or from their higher self. There's lots of different ways you can gain information. And so that's what I just share that information. And sometimes I can see an imbalance that I'll correct, or um, I'll see an entity that's attached in some way that may not be helpful. It's not their energy. I've been trained how to remove those kinds of entities. So there's lots of different ways you can help people. And then it's up to them to decide whether or not it's been beneficial to them. And, mm. you know, most of the time they have really amazing results. So, but I'm not attached to any particular outcome that may happen based on an, an, any kind of energy healing session I may do with someone. Mm. I know that, um, in an interview I did some time ago with a guest who had gone through uh, stomach cancer and a large portion of his stomach removed. And we got to a point in the, in the interview. And as I mentioned earlier about trying to find out the, the metaphysical or spiritual meaning behind why my uh, sugar levels are so high, why they suddenly just all of a sudden, out of, I, literally, I kid you not, out of nowhere, spiked. Uh, and so forth. Well, I was asking him, I says, have you ever thought about why you chose to have this particular condition? You know, cause there's always a meaning. They say that, for example, anger, uh, the liver and the gallbladder, are sort of the seat of anger. Well, I've had my gallbladder removed, so I'm half, I'm half, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm half as angry, I guess, as I used to be. <laughs> but, um, I asked him, I says, did you ever think about that did you ever ponder that or do any research as to um what is the meaning behind stomach cancer and or the removal of a certain portion of one's stomach and so on and so forth and he says you know i i never thought of it and then he began verbalizing in the interview well when i was a kid growing up and he began to tell his story as to why he what he got in touch with whether that was the actual thing I didn't put any words in his mouth in that regard. I was just curious, you know, and so I'm, I'm still curious about myself. And uh, uh, that's one of the areas as we are, we are the healer. I am the healer of me. Uh, you might come along and facilitate. You might support that. You might give me some suggestions or guidance and so forth uh, to what my outcome what the, the outcome that I want, my intention. Uh, but um, I I just have a feeling too that a lot of people, uh, you know, they have these experiences, which I will never, ever 
uh, dismiss. Uh, when I was working for the Christian radio station for 15 years back in the 80s and early 90s, and people would share these incredible and miraculous experiences, I would believe them because to tell them, oh, I'm sorry, but I don't find anything in the book that supports what you're talking about. You undermined their own faith, their own philosophy. Their, you, you, you start to knock the pins out from under them. And, and I have a feeling that there are some practitioners that, I don't know, maybe they're outcome driven and they'll start to do stuff like that. And it's like, no, 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 don't do that. If the person says they had that experience, who are you? You weren't there. <laughs> that kind and of I address I address that in my book about because your your clients could be in a slightly altered state of consciousness and information comes up and you're not there to judge it. You're not there to comment on it. You're just there to facilitate whatever meaning it has for them. And so it's not about what did it actually happen or not. It's like, is this in service to their whatever healing they're going through? Mm -hmm. So that's very much part of the training I've had. And I address that quite um succinctly in the book itself as well it's very well, important point yeah. well, well let's let's talk a little bit about that uh while we have the time if we still have time i hope you do i don't uh, have much more time actually uh, all right enough. well all right i'll tell you what let's put that particular element on pause i do want to remind our listeners we're talking to midge murphy midge murphy.com is the website oh the book the book. Yes, folks, the book. We want you to get a copy because I think that you would uh, do well uh, to check it out. And the title of that book happens to be, folks, as I scroll through all of the great information that I have here uh, in regards to the work that uh, as an energy healing practitioner and the first attorney to receive her PhD in energy medicine from Hollows. Is that Hollows University? Hollows. Hollows University. Uh, deep understanding of both the law and alternative healing arts, which is extremely important. The title of the uh, 2015 book published in 2015, I should say, uh, and which is groundbreaking, folks, I guarantee you, Practice Energy Healing and Integrity, The Joy of Offering Your Gift Legally and Ethically. And we hope that you will also go to her website, which is midgemurphy.com. As we continue here on Tell Me Your Story, I'm Richard Dugan, and I thank Midge Murphy for joining us here on the program. And Midge, I want to thank you for being with us uh, throughout this program. And I'm hoping that uh, we didn't belabor too many points. And I'm hoping that we got to, uh, for the most part, the core, but I guess the best way for people to get to the core is to get a copy of your book. And thank you for uh, sharing yourself and that with us. Thank you. I want to let people know that you can purchase the book on Amazon as well. So that's an easy access in terms of buying a book. It's on available on Amazon. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been it's been a pleasure. Well, thank you. I do have three final questions for you that I ask all of my guests here on the program. Before I do, I want to thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. and 9 a.m. on Wednesdays for a special edition of Tell Me Your Story. We stream live at those times at richarddugan.com, and we are on podcasting 
at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. And we are on YouTube. And uh, as far as the podcasts are concerned, we are fast approaching. I know it's taken five, well, let's see, I don't know how many years. Anyways, from January 20 of, uh, of 2018, January 1 of 2018, we are about to hit 100,000 listens on the uh, through the SoundCloud analytics, which takes into account all of those other podcasting sites I mentioned. As I mentioned, we're on YouTube, and I hope you'll hit notification on either a podcast or the video cast so that the next time I post a conversation, you will be notified. Also, if you can support the work we're doing, we would greatly appreciate any financial support that you can provide. Uh, we have a PayPal account. It is there for your security as well as ours. Just put in my email address to whom to send the contribution, richard at richarddugan.com. That's richard at richarddugan.com. And finally, please take time during the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, to go within and listen to that still small voice. Listen to your intuition. But more than that, follow the promptings. It isn't easy at first. I will be uh, the first to attest to that. But the more you follow, the easier it gets, I tell you. And I still struggle. There are times when I, no, 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 I don't want to do that. Eventually, I, I acquiesce. Still my choice. And I'm glad that I did. I'm also glad that I have had my very special guest here on the program to talk about what we've been talking about. And to that end, we go to our final three questions. And the first of those is, who is Midge Murphy? Um, a person who's trying to uh, make a difference and to be in service to the world in the field of energy healing and energy healing methods. What is your life's purpose? I'm still figuring that out. <laughs> and finally, what was your best day? In a lot. Probably when I, I brought home my Bernie's Mountain Dog Puppy Bear oh. in December of 2011. Mm. How wonderful. I may get one of those myself one of these days. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, Midge, I thank you so much. MidgeMurphy.com is the website, and we really do appreciate your time today. And do look forward to having you back in the not-too-distant future. Sounds good. Thank you so much. And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lol. Jeanette, I am listening. Dad, I'm so glad you're happy now. And to my best friend, Smokey, I will see you on the other side.